And I'm Bo. And this is That Podcast. Uh, welcome back, everyone. We uh, had a little five-month break, uh, which started off unofficially, and about a month or two in, became an official break. Uh, so we're calling this season season two, or series two, as we call it here in the UK. Uh, nice. How are you doing, Bo? Oh, I'm, I'm doing all right. Start, starting to settle down just a little bit, so... Yeah. yeah, so if anyone doesn't know, since we last recorded, Bo has officially moved to the UK. Uh, so it's been quite hectic for him, and uh, which might explain a little bit of our break in uh, recording, <laughs> but hopefully back to usual now. Yeah, Beck's actually kind of disappointed we haven't seen you yet. I know, um, we, we we almost had something planned, didn't we? But mm-hmm. it's just busy lives. Um, yeah. I'm, I've got a few things coming up on weekends in the next couple of months but also uh we have the easter break here at the end of march beginning of april mm. so that'll be um rebecca will have two weeks off work cool um so we're and evie's two weeks off school as well of course so we're very flexible at that point in terms of i know i can take the odd day here and there i think my boss might be away at that time so i might not be that flexible i'm sure i'll be <laughs> able to sort something yeah but yeah, we will sort something out and we'll come see you or you come see us and we'll or meet somewhere in the middle is what we talked about, haven't we? So Yeah. Sounds good. Yeah. So how's Evesham? Oh no, uh, hang on. You were in Banbury Banbury Cross for a while, right? Yeah, we were in Banbury. Mm-hmm. And then you've moved somewhere near Evesham, a, vill- a village near Evesham, right? Yeah, we uh, we moved to Sedgeboro. Right. Yeah. How's so, it going? It's going pretty well. Um we 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 like it. Uh, Beck wasn't sure she was gonna like it because she wanted to live closer to like a downtown area. Uh, we had a blast in Banbury, and and she and Luke had a blast in Banbury because uh, the place we were staying was like two blocks away from down to the little downtown shopping area. So they had a lot of fun. But where where we're at now is a little more isolated. Uh, it's very nice. It's it seems like it would be a good place for us to be long term, but it's also hard to get around and do things you know as easily as we could have before, or as e- easily as she could have before. But, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's a it's a cool little place. Um yeah, it's uh not it it feels very English countryside to me, sort of like it's it's not like we're living in like downtown London or something like that. We're actually like it's just this this little English village. <laughs> it's it's kinda cool. And actually that's one of the things that I've learned is that like villages and towns and all of these n- names mean something like specific here. Right? Yeah, yeah, you know, um it's a I believe there probably is some true categorization, uh, and most of us just do it down to population, I think. But there mm. are things like I think I believe you can't be a city unless you've got a cathedral or something like. That. Maybe that's just hearsay. I'm not sure. Yeah. So yeah, um, I, I'm not really sure if Sedgeboro is a village or. I think it probably is, but I don't. I don't know for sure. <laughs> villages are most common. I think there are, there are villages. There's hamlets, whatever that means. Okay. Uh, I mean where. I think Bruff, where I live, is is now considered a town because the population has grown so much in the last mm. maybe ten fifteen years. Okay, uh, I, but I'm not I'm not totally sure. So um, I think there was a conversation that you and I had offline at one point where you said that you were going to take a you were going on holiday for a fortnight. Do you remember that conversation? Yes, I do. Yeah, and you didn't know what I mean. Did you? I didn't know. I, I I said, "Is does fortnight mean something specific, or is it just a general term for?" A, a longish period of time, more than a week, less than a month. <laughs> yeah, and, and no, you, uh, I don't know where it, did. Did I even look it up to see where it where, where it came from? I, I don't remember if you went that far, but we cleared it up, and you said that it was two weeks, right? Yes, that's yes. right. Yeah. Well, we we've now learned that our 
refuse is collected fortnightly. <laughs> yes, of course, yeah. And uh, I back had to look it up. <laughs> and I was like, I, I totally know what that is. Dave and I had this conversation once <laughs> that a fortnight yeah. actually means something over here, like specific. So, yeah. But we're, we're picking up on all sorts of little things like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think uh, on the same note, I think, I don't know if it's, if I said to you bi-weekly, what would you think of that? I don't know if this is just a general people getting mixed up, or is this a states, yeah, I'm a not UK sure. thing. Biweekly, I, I think all of those sort of, mm, some of those do get kind of confusing sometimes. Like if, if they don't have like a specific meaning that everyone understands, mm. or or maybe it's just me who gets confused with words sometimes. Because so I know that there's a, a difference between, like, if you want to say something happens twice a month, is that bi-monthly? I'd say bi-monthly, yeah. Yeah, bi-monthly. So bi-weekly would be twice, twice a week. Twice a week. To me. Yeah. Yeah. But some people would take that as twice a month. Yeah. Or, or, every, or, or, every two or every weeks. Every week, yeah. Yeah, every other week. So, uh, so yeah, it's uh, we're, we're learning all sorts of little things like that. We also found out that you can have uh, pay-as-you-go uh, electricity. <laughs> yeah, that's really old school. I mean, it's just still a lot of people do it and yeah i don't i don't think they do it that new anymore mm -hmm. unless they only do it for rental properties and properties and things like that to make it easier yeah um, it, because they do have some landlords do have problems where people run up an electricity bill and then disappear and yeah that kind of thing so yeah, yeah. Do you, how do you do it i mean we, we you might hear the phrase putting a coin in the meter or put i don't know they say a penny or something because right. some people literally used to have Co like, coin yeah. slots in their house where they put money in uh well i could probably i could probably talk about our electric trying to find how to get it going again uh adventure but like i could talk about that probably for an hour <laughs> yeah <laughs> I, I most people i know like have a card they take to the petrol station or something yeah like that. Uh, we, we actually had a we had a plastic key that was left in one of the junk drawers that the previous tenant hadn't cleaned out and the letting agency hadn't cleaned or anything or whatever. Whoever didn't clean it. So we saw it and one of the, one of the things on it said gas key, but it was this weird little plasticky thing. We're like, we don't know what that is, but it sounds important. So we kept it. it turns out one of the other things on that little key ring was the electric key. Um, and it looks like a USB stick, but it was a little, little wider than a USB stick. Hmm. Um, and it's coded to your meter and you just go take it in and someone else plugs it into a little little port, type in some codes, and then it puts money on it just like you would a card. But it's yeah. actually like a physical special key. Um, yeah. Yeah. Th then you have to take it back to the meter, plug it in the meter for it to actually transfer onto the meter. So they they, they weren't able to give us power again until we had a key. So we had to go collect one because they, they physically cannot... At least they, they claim they physically cannot put money on, even if we gave them like a credit card no number over the phone or anything like that. So right. we had we had to go collect the key, get it coded to the right thing, put money on it before we could get power again. It took us like three hours that night at like oh, no. six to ten o'clock. It was pretty all it was pretty awful. But anyway, it's all good. <laughs> okay, is Little, you, is, you said gas key. Is that like a triangular shape? Yeah, it was a triangular shaped thing, but. Yeah. It, it turned out that it was actually the key that unlocks the thing hiding the power meter. Yeah, the, bo <laughs> yeah, the box, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah they're, they're fairly standard key shape for those. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was weird. So, we, we managed to get all, all of it. We got everything together that night, which was really good, but it was just very unsettling and off-putting. 
to to find that out. We also have uh, uh, gas that comes in cylinders. Uh, we're not mm-hmm. actually on like main gas or anything like that. So that was kind of interesting too because someone had to deliver gas to us. So we're like, we don't understand how this works either. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah well, I mean, I've never I've never had to do that uh, myself. But again, I know of people. Yeah. I mean, at least you got uh, running water and sewage, right? Yep, yep, we did. Yeah. Well, yeah. I'll tell you what, the next day we made sure and uh, Beck made sure and called to see if we weren't on pay-as-you-go water <laughs> because <laughs> we're like, we don't want to run out of water tomorrow. So you know, yeah. as soon as we got power back on, she started looking stuff up to make sure everything was good. So we'd actually called the power company and set up the account and everything looked good. We just, you know, the verbiage was, wasn't such that it stood out to us that it was pay-as-you-go, like, we'll turn your power off. We assumed we would still get a bill of some sort that we could pay. Um, so, so, yeah, she started frantically reading through all of the other uh, services that we subscribe to to see to make sure it's it's good to go. But So, yeah, that's all good. Um, we could talk about that probably a lot. The Simonson's adventures into uh, foreign lands has been has been fun. But Well, yeah, I mean, I think uh, some time ago there was a thing on Facebook, wasn't there, about... Uh... I think it was an American chap who lived here for a while and he built up this massive list, didn't he? And yeah. I think Beck said she was going to try and do one herself eventually, so I'm looking forward to seeing that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we'll see. So so how's work been going for you? It's been going good. Um, not, I think last time we recorded... Uh, John, the mobile guy, the guy who's he's going to be, he's our, I think his job title is head of uh, mobile, and basically he does all the native apps for us. Uh, he's been doing great. It's been great having him on board. Just to, It means we've just been able to iterate on those mobile apps so quickly compared mm-hmm. to when we were using an agency for it. Right. In terms of my side of things, the servers and the backend services have just been chugging along nicely. Um, as usual, we had a quiet December, and then a very frantic January, we turned on the TV advertising again. We had a few a few big slots again that didn't I don't think they performed as well as we'd we'd hoped. Um it was actually in morning T V, uh, rather than and last time we'd done it on sort of evening T V shit. And despite having a lot of viewers it just didn't seem to you know, do anything at least cause any spikes at the time. Right. Uh, which is interesting. Uh, but you're hoping people, assuming the viewership is the same in terms of numbers, you're hoping maybe we've planted some subliminal yeah. thoughts in people's heads there, and they were going off to work or they were eating a breakfast and yeah. that kind of thing. So um, in terms of the actual development, I've not done anything too interesting; just kept on going. Really, you uh, yeah, you've Was upgraded it? you've upgraded your production version of PHP, right? Oh yeah, I have done that. Yeah. Um, and to be honest, uh, you, you said what new features am I going to start using? And uh, it only just dawned on me that I haven't been using the new features that came in 5.5 and 5.6, <laughs> to be yeah. honest. Uh, and it's not really about that. It's just uh, a case of, you know, getting, uh, trying to keep up to date is basically what right. I'm trying to do. Um, so I've, I've upgraded. I'm, so, I'm slowly sort of moving through the major dependencies we have. As well, so I've I've upgraded from Behat two to Behat three, ready to upgrade from Symphony two point eight to or two point nine to three, uh, which is going to be quite a job. Um, I really should have took more notice to all those deprecation warnings that went. You know, they've been going on <laughs> for so long. <laughs> yeah, uh, particularly the form component. There's a there's a lot changed around there for me. Hmm. Uh, so yeah, 
Are you doing a lot with the form component? Not a lot, but it's one of the things where I didn't think I used it that much until you run the test and uh-huh. with the new version of Symphony and literally the whole test suite fails. Mm. I do actually kind of like it for simple. Do you know what the biggest problem with the form component is when you try and use it with uh, doctrine entities, I think. Uh, if you just avoid that part of, you know, because that's the, you know, people want that. You know, you you want to just chuck an object at the form and it spits out a form yeah. with the certain fields you want and then maps it straight to the object. And that just always gets messy, especially when you try and use it for any kind of relationships or, mm-hmm. you know, so I tend to avoid that if I can. Uh, and just work with you know raw raw data mm-hmm. and map it to enforce myself as I please or right or, or to be honest usually it's going off to some some service of some description to do that kind of thing anyway mm-hmm. hmm. but otherwise I actually quite like the form component I like the the way it handles you know ties the validation to each field and you can spit it out in the HTML nicely like that and, and that kind of thing but mm-hmm. but yeah uh, a Silex two point will be a a bigger change. I, I I can't remember. I mean, I think I'm running up to about 200 routes and probably about 250, 300 services in the in the pimple container, mm-hmm. which all all require their definitions changing to upgrade to what will be Silex too. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, that one's going to be a bit further down the line, I think. Yeah, I've been finding myself paying less and less attention to Symphony components. And not even the components, but more more probably the Silex and Symphony full stack side of things. Um, yeah, because I, I haven't used either in quite some time. Hmm. Well, yeah, I mean, to be honest, I could I could probably forego Silex as a a thing anyway. I mean, yeah. in theory, I'm I'm upgrading the Symphony components because I use them quite a lot. Right. And. Huh. Um, and again, it's just a case of keeping up. Uh, and one of the harder things about upgrading Silex will be all of the customization I've done to it in terms of it's not really Silex anymore. It's just yeah. my version of Silex. Um, mm-hmm. But again, I just need to keep up. It's, it, it's one of the things. If you leave it, the, the longer you leave it, the harder it gets. Right. And it actually becomes more... If you leave it for too long, it becomes more of a rewrite than an upgrade. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm just trying to stick to it. Yeah. Okay. You were you were wanting to do something with the routes differently, right? You wanted to compile them or do something you know, different. At some point, I did, but in terms of performance, it would give could give you some boosts. There's no doubt about it. But mm-hmm. when it was on my mind a lot was when I was using the dedicated hardware with that dedicated hosting. You know, it was managed hosting. I had one machine, one web machine, mm-hmm. one database machine. And at peak times, we were getting squashed, you know. Um, yeah. But now with the elastic side of things, like sort of way things are going, you know, at peak times, we had another server, we had another server if needs be, and it, it just keeps on chugging. Now, don't get me wrong, our baseline performance would improve if I cached those routes. Yeah. But don't really it's just not much of a concern anymore mm-hmm. i think it's more about a bit of consistency i think that to get to that place where i could cache all of the routes would be to get totally away from the silex closure style micro framework routes you know so i could effectively uh, serialize my routes in a text file which is what you're trying to do isn't it yeah and 
So I, if I was going to go for it, I'd be doing it for sort of um, just to maintain consistency because I'd say I think uh, probably about 80 to 90% of the routes are like that now mm-hmm. with maybe 30 or so sort of closure-style routes left behind where everything else has been refactored to being in a class somewhere. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, I'm not too worried about caching the routes anymore. Okay. Yeah, I, remember that was... I mean, PHP 7, probably seen... Sorry, sorry to jump over you, but... <laughs> it's all right. We've probably seen maybe a, like our servers sort of hum along about 40, 50% CPU, the web servers, and that's probably dropped to more closer to 25, 30, just with upgrading to PHP 7. And, you know, when there's that much burst available on just on the CPUs, on the machines we've got, you know, I don't know I'm just not that worried about it. You know? Yeah. There are so many other things in the app I could probably just throw a bit of caching at to keep things going nicely. Mm-hmm. We've done a bunch of things with uh, Blackfire lately to look at um, different things that we're kind of slowing things down. Have you have you have you tried that yet? I know I think we talked about it once. Yeah, I've not tried it in in earnest at all. Only sort of had a little play here or there. Yeah, yeah, it's been interesting looking at that to see where the bottlenecks are because it's it's almost never where you think it's supposed to be. <laughs> uh, you know, there, there there was one of them that we did that the bottleneck because it was actually a really fast thing but the one query uh running the code in one mode the bottleneck was um the serializer in our code um and then running it on a slightly smaller set of data with less things were being serialized um almost all of the time was spent in auto loading so we're not doing anything with like a, a smart class cache sort of thing are you doing anything with that no i um at some point, I did try it, and I found there's, there, there is a sweet spot, uh, sort of a tipping point where it becomes worth it, and I don't think I was there. Hmm. I think with, um, you know, an opcache and whatever the setting is on the opcache to not even bother checking the disk. Yeah. You know, if you've got it in memory, just use it. Mm-hmm. Uh, however many classes that is my baseline it handles it well enough without having to compile everything into one cache, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, because I knew that was one of the things that Symphony Full Stack did, and it's also something that Laravel does. And I've, I've often wondered how I would do that on my own if I'm not using either of those. But, you know, seeing that sort of thing pop up every once in a while, it's like, oh, well, maybe that is actually something that I could look at, at least in development. If, if it would help in development, that would be awesome. Yeah, I'm... I mean, that's the other thing, isn't it? I suppose if it can help in dev then, mm-hmm. especially with the kind of rich UI you're, you're building. Yeah. Um, but um, it's not that difficult. The, the Symphony components that do it are there. I, I guess you just need to stay away from Symphony components if you, if you don't want to pull them in because I had them there just to do it anyway. And, and all I did was I effectively I, I ran a route that did nothing. It didn't... I think it ran... Maybe it did render a blank template. Um mm. To, to get sort of like a baseline and just dump to a file all the classes that got auto-loaded by yeah. hacking the auto-loader and then effectively took that as a baseline of all of these are going to be used on every every single request. So yeah, bundle, bundle these into a file and off you go. Yeah. How many 
I don't even know the answer to this for my myself, but how many classes do you have in your application, in your actual application? I don't know. Hmm. I could very quickly run clock and that would probably tell me a number of files which would... Yeah, so... Um, we have 2,138 class files in our PHP directory right now. Uh, I don't have that many. 800. 800? Yeah. Yeah. That's one of the things that that I look at as a potential red flag when I when I start thinking about how much auto-loading is going on and how, mm. how big of a deal it might actually be for us. Um, yeah. I don't, I don't really... The, the, I'm more, more concerned about the vendor than the vendors than yeah. my own files, if I'm honest. Mm-hmm. Uh, just because I, I dread to think how many... For, classes there are in in there yeah yeah i've been able to avoid some of that by not actually using any of the full stack frameworks um just because it i'm I'm thinking it's lighter but it may you know at the end of the day it may not actually be lighter than say a little silex install so but anyway it's 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 uh it is interesting to look at that and see just how many things are happening some of the profiling that that we've been doing um you know, with the the event sourcing and CQRS side of things, you know, three thousand five hundred events in our demo data set uh, results in some of the projectors being called. Well, not the projectors, but a projector being called like two point eight million times, or something along those lines, because it has to check every single projector for every single event. Um, so it ends up kind of blowing up exponentially in some cases, where it's just doing these things over and over again. Uh, yeah, so there's a, there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff that we're doing right now that we're going to have to look at later and, and kind of optimize it, but it's reasonably fast now. Um, so we like at least on my machine, it's horribly slow on the Windows boxes. Um, and that's I, I'm almost positive at this point that that's entirely related to um, NFS with the with the Vagrant boxes. But we can't we haven't been able to get NFS working correctly on the Windows boxes to speed that up. So, I mean, it's it's shocking. It takes like six seconds to do uh, execute one command uh, yeah. on their boxes, and it takes like six hundred milliseconds on my laptop. So yeah, it's it. It just doesn't seem to get any better, does it? Yeah, yeah, and and that I guess I guess the the auto loading thing is is big for me because of that, right? Because not only yeah. is it doing a lot of auto loading, it's actually doing a lot of NFS calls for individual files. That you know, it's it's awful. It's actually pretty pretty horrible watching them develop. The other two people on the team, I yeah. I can't imagine how they've been doing that for the last six months. Like I I wouldn't have stood for that, you know. Yeah, no, that that's it. I I mean, just uh, just running the test to do my head in, um, mm. you know, because I. I when I'm in full TDD mode, then I'm running the test, you know, constantly, yeah. constantly, constantly. Yeah. And even, and even that's that's going to be quicker than the browser, but even so, at those sort of speeds, it'd annoy me. So. Yeah, yeah, they're they're actually doing. Uh, well, we, we've actually had to do all of our Webpack stuff on Windows and on the Mac natively, um, just for various reasons, and we're having the same issue with. Uh, PHP unit. We're running PHP unit either on, well, they're running PHP unit on the Windows side, so they don't have to deal with that. Otherwise, it's unbearably long to actually yeah. run the tests. 
Yeah, it's definitely a problem. Mm -hmm. But you know, it's it's things that we'll get get chance to to fix at some point. But I don't know. I, I keep thinking that every day we're losing a half an hour of productivity to things taking longer than they need to, and those those half half hours add up really quickly across two developers every day. <laughs> so yeah, you should really just bite the bullet and chuck a Linux distribution on one of the machines and just see how it goes. Yeah. Just because Linux definitely isn't as bad as it used to be. And, mm -hmm. you know, if the smart guys, that, and if you're getting frustrated with the Windows, then, yeah, you know, a little well, bit I, of Linux I, might help. You know, I'd actually, I, I should probably talk to them about that a little bit more, but I think they're both definitely more comfortable on Windows just because that's what they've been, been using and that's what they're used to. Um, but there's a lot of stuff that we're doing that, they hadn't done before like working on vagrant systems or any sort of virtualization you know so that's yeah. that's all new for them but then but, again the other thing is you went to you're an office aren't you mm -hmm. um yeah and these are desktop machines well they're, they're laptops. laptops they're laptops oh i was just gonna say i was i was just wondering if you could i mean the shared development server is generally a something you want to avoid but i mean yeah. if you if you had VirtualBox running on a Linux server just in the office, yeah. Uh, but then again, you're probably gonna, you'd probably want to, you'd have to mess about with Samba to connect your Windows machines to the file systems on those or something yeah. silly. Uh, yeah, I think you'd probably run into the same sort of. Well, you might run into, you'd run into different issues. <laughs> they'd, yeah. be, they'd be they'd be similar, but definitely, I don't know. I think that the uh, the best solution would probably be eventually just to get everybody on a Linux laptop, which won't make me happy either <laughs> because I, you know, I'm pretty happy with my Mac. But um, you know, if we get everybody on Linux, then it'll probably be easier to do stuff with Docker in the future as well, or whatever sort of you know system that we move to. Yeah, I mean, for me, the like Windows is, I mean, Windows and .NET, um, you know, Visual Studio are pr pretty much the probably the best development environment going. You know, if you are writing .NET code, then yeah. Visual Studio is just superb, isn't it, as a tool? I, but then once you step outside of that, it just start, everything starts to get a little bit shaky for me. Um, yeah, it's, you know, I'd much rather be on a Mac or on Linux. So, <clears throat> so I had a really interesting problem uh, that I don't think I got to talk to anybody about. I got to get to talk to you about it just in the office here. There was one day that our application seemed like it was falling over pretty hard. And we couldn't figure out why it wasn't letting us log in. And I'm pretty sure it was a Chrome bug because I've not been able to reproduce it. And it only happened for like two days, which is probably the length of time it took for Chrome to silently ship a fix for a bug. And I realized just how awful it is to actually know what's going on in these Chrome releases. Um, if they ship a regression, they don't tell anybody. And then they ship a fix. They never told anybody and people just deal with it. <clears throat> but, um, the problem was that as far as I could tell, my incognito windows were sending a cookie, an old stale cookie that it had never received, like it hadn't received in that session. And uh, I finally talked to uh, enough people online about it that they, they hinted that um, it could have been a plugin that mm -hmm. had access to, well, maybe I, did I talk to you about this one or did you see uh, me talking about it? I saw you talk about it on Twitter. I can't remember yeah. who it was. Yeah. Um, is it Erin you mentioned? Yeah, yeah, maybe. 
but yeah, the, I don't know. Basically, it, it came down to the possibility that it could have been a plugin that was listening to um, the incognito mode. That even though I closed incognito and closed all of the incognito windows, it was still keeping it alive enough that when you open a new incognito session, it still remembered who it was. Um, so yeah, it was really weird. So it was either a bug with Chrome or it was a faulty plugin, but we weren't able to get that bug reproduced longer than two days. And that was frustrating because, <laughs> you know, we were in the middle of deploying some other things and all of a sudden we weren't able to log into the site anymore. And we're like, what did we just ship? What's broken? And we couldn't, there was nothing in our code. <laughs> it was pretty awful. I, th- I think it took us a day and a half to come to the realization that it wasn't our code, that the code was fine, that it was just the browser that was being weird. Yeah. Yeah, that is weird, isn't it? Yeah. Um, Chrome used to be like the awesome one, and now like I, every once in a while I start seeing more and more people uh, putting out there how Chrome is the new IE. <laughs> yeah, people moving back to Firefox. I've seen quite a few. Yeah, uh, I, I mean, to be honest, I'm tempted because when I use it, it seems fast. Uh, Firefox. I, uh-huh. I don't know if there are any hard numbers to say how fast it is compared to Chrome or yeah. or vice versa. But uh, but also, I, I I don't really have that many plugins or anything with Chrome, but. I it, I run a I run Gmail or, or Inbox in a window and it just because I have it open permanently it just seems like it's constantly pegging my CPU mm. and hogging loads of memory as well. I uh-huh. open up a couple more tabs for whatever they are maybe Twitter or or Facebook or something like that and God knows what they do <laughs> in the background yeah. on the page while it, while it's just idle because it just I mean to be honest I ended up. Uh, grabbing some more RAM for this machine because I was getting a bit fed up with it. Uh, Slack as well because the Linux Slack client, I don't know what the others are like, uh, is literally just a web view with the... Yeah. Or effectively, uh, and that chews RAM mm-hmm. like nobody's business as well. Especially mm. the more and more uh, Slack teams you add, I think everyone just gets like its own instance of something that's uh, hogging loads of memory. So. Yeah. Well... You know, I hear that, and it makes me want to leave my Mac even less. <laughs> because for the most part, you know, occasionally I'll have a, a one Gmail tab spin out of control, um, start using a bunch of stuff that it shouldn't use. But for the most part, I mean, okay, I guess it probably uses a ton of RAM, but it doesn't bother me. Like, it isn't slowing my machine down. It isn't causing any problems. It's just spiking, you know, lots of memory for a little bit, and then it goes away or whatever. But yeah. I was running. To be honest, it was. It did start out with a game. I was trying to run a game, <laughs> but I didn't want to have to close all my windows at the same time. Yeah, uh, and some of the PC games they use so much. You know, like a a big game, not ne- not like an indie game necessarily, yeah. but like a, yeah. But it's that easy to stick another eight gig of RAM in my desktop machine that just makes sense. Who you know, who wouldn't? Yeah, yeah, totally. Eight gig of RAM, just throw it in. Yeah, I remember the days when eight gig of RAM was like a lot. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, I know. I, th- I think anymore. I think my 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 first big RAM upgrade was 128 megabytes. Might have been. I was excited to get that 128 meg stick. <laughs> yeah, to be honest, I found an SD card the other day that was eight megabyte SD card. I think. I don't know where it was. <laughs> I almost I kept it on purpose, you know, so I had it. Uh, uh-huh. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it was 8 or 16 megabyte SD card. And I was like, did they really make them that small? 
<laughs> it just seems like because it's. I almost remember when SD cards came to the like came to the forefront. You know, and they started yeah. being used there. I mean, because I remember I used like a compact flash because they were they were mm. awesome because compact flash had you could get the micro drives and they were literally uh, they weren't solid state. They were mechanical drives yeah. in this tiny. You know, I mean, bigger than an SD card, but yeah, still quite small. Do you remember the zip disks? Yeah, I remember zip disks. Yeah, yeah. I mean, oh. at, I mean, at one point, I mean, did you ever have the pleasure of take backups with servers and things? No, um, no, I never, I never had to to work with that. No. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just I remember those, and and I remember getting a zip disk to do some on a small server rather than getting a tape machine. We got a, a zip disk thing to uh, to yeah. use because the tape machines are expensive and the tapes are expensive as well. Mm-hmm. And we also and uh, remembering to change the tapes. I remember I was really pleased the one time we got a tape changer for some servers, <laughs> you know, and it had a big cassette and it manually. Yeah. Although, to be honest, that was quite a job with Linux servers, uh, getting the device drivers to work for the tape changer <laughs> and, and programming the tape change and. Yeah. Nice. Mm. Well, I think we were going to try to keep this short, so I, th- I think we're about. 30 minutes in here give or take uh we, we had one shout out we wanted to mention right yes um it was so long ago that i can't really remember much of what it said but uh, the general gist of it was, was that it was colin adele right colin yep. adele yep yep general gist of it was that he enjoyed the show and uh and yeah. just said thank you really didn't he i think he yeah. was listening on his commute maybe um <laughs> i'm not sure yeah but uh, there was a voicemail left, which we still have our voicemail up, and it gets a, a lot of calls. So yes, yeah. If you're not leaving us a voicemail, you're you're being left out. You should really do it. <laughs> yeah, and also, I, I don't know about you, but every Monday morning, I get a very demoralizing email that says no new reviews for yeah. that podcast. And yeah. admittedly, the last five months has been our fault because we haven't been recording. Yeah. But, but now we're back in the swing of things. It would it'd be nice to get some more reviews, yep. either on iTunes or Stitcher <laughs> or or anywhere, really, and just let us know where it is so we can see it. Yep. Um, cool. Well, um, yeah, so I, I guess I don't really want to change our logo from the US and the UK, so I think we'll just leave it where it is now. <laughs> yeah. We don't want to be changing it every time one of us moves. Yeah, yeah. But so, so yeah, this is the ep- episode one of season series two. Yeah, we generally for TV we say series, you say season, don't you? Yeah, we do seasons. So we've yeah. actually been been seeing that that series concepts as opposed to season already. Like looking yeah. at DVDs and whatnot, it's like series two. It's like wait, it's not a new series. It's it's the same series. But, yeah, it's just the way it is over here. Yeah, cool. Alright, well, I guess we can call Series 2, Episode 1 a wrap. You've been listening to That Podcast with Bo and Dave. You can find Bo on Twitter and Google Plus at Bo Simonson and Dave on Twitter at Dave Development. You can subscribe to this podcast and review it on iTunes. If you'd like to review us but don't feel like we've earned five stars, email us so that we can talk about your issues. You can also subscribe to this podcast with RSS from our website, thatpodcast.io. From our website, you can also sign up for our newsletter to get super secret extra content from Bo and Dave sent directly to your inbox. Like the music? You can thank Gorillo for allowing us to sample the track Dust Kingdom for our intro and outro. You can find Dust Kingdom and other tracks by Grillo at grillo.bandcamp.com. 
spelled G-R-I-L-L-O. 